Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond. Plus, sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. This is part seven of our special coverage of the Mueller Report. Uh, And for the last few episodes, we've been covering the eight subsections of Section 4, the the Russian government links to and contacts with the Trump campaign. Uh, We've gotten through six subsections, including Trump Tower Moscow, Papadopoulos, Carter Page, Dimitri Symes in the Center for National Interest, the June 9th, 2016 Trump Tower meeting, and the Republican National Convention. Today, we'll cover the last two subsections of Russian contacts during the campaign, and those are the post-convention uh, contacts and Paul Manafort. And we'll be going over pages 127 through 144. So we'll put that in the episode description for you as well. So let's turn to page 127 in our hymnal, shall we? And start with the section <laughs> on post-RNC contacts with Kislyak. That's a hymnal, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I uh, never went to church. Yeah. <laughs> God, I went every Thursday and Sunday. Because when you go to Catholic school, you go Thursday in the gym. Oh. It's a pep rally for God. <laughs> um, all right. This is a very short section. Uh I wanted to include it in the last show because it has to do with the convention, but then this show would have been just too short. So I, I, I'm, you know. Yeah, it's all good. It's my strategy. So uh, this covers Kislyak's continuing efforts to interact with the Trump campaign officials um, with responsibility for foreign policy, like Jeff Sessions and J.D. Gordon. And this is in the weeks following the Republican National Convention. Mueller says here that the Office of Special Counsel did not identify evidence of coordination between the campaign and the Russian government in this post RNC mm-hmm. uh, apocalyptic setting. <laughs> Section A is about Kislyak inviting Gordon to breakfast at his home, cute, uh, on August 3rd, 2016, the same day as the meeting between Nader, Zamel from Psy Group, and the Trump campaign at Trump Tower happened. Remember that meeting? And, yeah. Yeah. Should have known something abnormal was happening when they were invited over for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Bribery in bed. No one has done that in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah. Come over for breakfast. And what? I, <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes me wonder if they're like, if they're like, Gordon's trying to invite himself to our XAML meeting. I hate that guy. Let's, let's see if we can get Kislyak to take him to breakfast. <laughs> I wish there was like those little, you know, palace intrigues going on. Yeah, in the Mueller movie. They got to do that. I think it would be great. Um, so, a Kislyak assistant, 
Uh, Kislyak's assistant invited Gordon to have breakfast at Kislyak's residence in D.C. And Gordon declined five days later, saying, We are busily knocking down a constant stream of false media stories while also preparing for the first debate with HRC. Uh, hope to take a rain check when things quiet down a bit. So he oh. never went to breakfast. Knocking down things that are sketchy, knowing that this is a sketchy thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, not right now. We already have We're way gonna... too much sketch. <laughs> yeah. uh, we can't add another sketch. Uh, also in August of 2016, the Russian embassy contacted Sessions' Senate office about a meeting with Kislyak. At the time, Sessions was on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, so it wasn't unusual for him to meet with a number of foreign officials in that capacity. And on September 8th, he met with Kislyak in his Senate office and was accompanied by at least two of his Senate staffers, Sandra Luff and Pete Landrum. Luff mm-hmm. and Landrum. <laughs> the meeting lasted less than 30 minutes. None of the attendees remember any discussions about Russian interference. Sessions and Landrum recalled that after the election, some efforts were made to arrange a meeting between Sessions and Kislyak through the Center for National Interest. Um, that's the Mayflower people. But Sessions was in New York and was unable to attend any meetings during the time suggested. Mueller did not identify evidence that the two met at any point after the September 8th meeting. Hmm. All right. On to the jackpot. Paul well, Manafort. Yes. Or do you want to yeah, follow just qu- questions there? Yes. Well, yeah. Quick comment. So basically this is saying uh, there's nothing there. Because two people said they didn't remember anything, or all the people that were there said they didn't remember anything. Correct. About Russian sanctions. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so if a traitor falls in a forest but no one's around, <laughs> how do we do this one? That's a yeah. yeah. Or uh, actually, I think they just said Russian interference, not Russian even sanctions. I'm okay. sure they discussed sanctions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which equals interference, but anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, just because they didn't say. Yeah. And, and he didn't have any documentary evidence or emails or text messages yes, or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to accept that nothing sketchy happened between them in the capacity that he investigated, at least. But I do feel it's important to note that mm-hmm. all yeah. of them just conveniently forgot. Yeah, and collective amnesia, I think. Is what, what a I'm smart person <laughs> would do would be to record and or annotate the meeting yeah. or have a staffer put down what happened in the meeting so yep. that you had notes about it. Mm-hmm. So right. The so. FBI knew that. But yes. I guess these Trump guys didn't get the memo. We'll get, get it. Hey. Uh, get the memo. <laughs> 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 if you take notes, too, there's the risk of them wanting to find the notes after the fact, too. Like, for example, Cyprus through Manafort's notes in his meeting. So it's like. Yeah, that's their problem. Evidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it becomes dangerous to take notes. Lawyers shouldn't take notes. Only <laughs> bad lawyers take notes. Yeah. Uh, Trump actually said that, in case you're listening to this 20 years from now. Oh my God. Well, I maybe this is that exactly where he was coming from. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, jackpot, Paul Manafort, page 129. Okay. So this is, this is the main B for this, the rest of this entire section on uh, contacts between Russians and the Trump campaign. Uh, as we know, he served as Trump's campaign chairman from March to August of 2016. And as we know, he had prior connections to Russians through his work in Ukraine, including Oleg Deripaska. Manafort's point man for staying in touch with the Russians was Konstantin Kolimnik, who the FBI and now Mueller says has ties to Russian intelligence. Manafort instructed Gates, Rick Gates, his deputy on the campaign, to provide Kolimnik with campaign information, including polling data. Uh, This is called tasking, as we know. It's an active measure used by Russians where they go, "Uh, but we can use that guy. Mm -hmm. And then they task him with something that seems like, whoa, uh, 
yeah, I really want internal random. polling data. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to send it to me. And then if he does it, you know, you have him by the balls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done this a million times. They do it. They did it with Americans. That's all in the Russian indictments. And we've talked about it earlier in this report, too, in the Mueller report. Yeah, they, it's a strategy. They mentioned that, too. Um, and they get kudos from their higher ups for being able to task these things and have them come to fruition mm-hmm. because that's how you recruit and maintain an asset. Yeah. Okay? So that's what they did with Manafort. Um, so, yeah, and he successfully got Gates to do this for him. Oh, uh, good the, boy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the footnotes here talk about Manafort being convicted on eight tax uh, foreign bank account registration and bank fraud charges. And then it goes on to list those charges and about Gates pleading guilty to two crimes. Two crimes. Two times, um, yeah. <laughs> two crimes, two crimes. And oddly <laughs> enough, the Fugees are involved. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's right. Yep. I was thinking of The Hangover, but it's Pros totally Michelle. different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then on page 130, Mueller says, what we already know to be true. In fact, this whole thing is just a series of episodes that we put out, really. <laughs> um, Manafort met twice with Kalimnik uh, himself to convey campaign information. The second meeting was on August 2nd in New York, where Manafort told him about a peace deal. That would act as a backdoor means for Russia to control eastern Ukraine. Uh, After Trump was elected, Kalimnik wrote to Manafort, saying the plan's success would depend on U.S. support, writing, quote, all that is required to start the process is for a very minor wink from Donald Trump. (laughs) He also assured Manafort that if he were in the U.S. or that if he were the U.S. representative that started the process, Yanukovych would ensure his reception in Russia at the very top level. Hmm. reception in russia like after he flees the country yeah, yeah that's yeah. interesting right also a very sorry go ahead no please do a very minor wink is this something that we see him do on television yeah. or is this something directly to putin through well that's some why Chuck grassley's tweet was so interesting i was like is this code to russia like do they have nah. <laughs> that was just a stroke or something but yeah, but yeah no yeah just a very minor wink um of after we get through this whole report we'll find that there was no uh attempt at least that um Mueller could find. Mm -hmm. Uh, He does say that lots of evidence was destroyed, lots of it was encrypted, and a lot of people lied to me, particularly in this chapter. Yeah. In fact, in the intro when he says that, we got a lot of people lying to us, we got a lot of encrypted shit, we got a lot of destruction of evidence. I think he's mostly talking about Manafort. Wow. Uh, Because we'll we'll run into it a lot. uh, Yeah, and what if you find a video of Trump winking? Will that be evidence? (laughs) Like, that's tricky. But but that's the thing, is that the, the Ukraine peace deal for... Russia to maintain control over eastern Ukraine never came to fruition Mm -hmm. and Trump never even signaled a little Mm -hmm. bit that he knew about it or wanted it to happen. Uh, In fact, this was probably just Manafort's way of winking at uh, OVD, which is Deripaska. Mm -hmm. For debt forgiveness. Yes. Yeah. For, hey, aren't we, are we good again? (laughs) Uh, Which Manafort didn't pay his debt because yeah. the peace deal never went so through he's in prison and it's still in debt uh-huh. and great. because the ukraine still belongs to or ukraine still belongs to ukraine it's it's not you know the eastern mm-hmm. part i mean it's still dangerous over there but trump did give ukraine missiles in exchange for them dropping their investigation into manafort so he kind of succeeded the little guy that could well it's that's the opposite oh i see because they gave weapons to ukraine to protect themselves from russia so that's not good yeah so trump was just doing that for different reasons manafort failed failed wow but he did get ukraine to stop looking into manafort in the Mm -hmm. Mueller investigation so it's just more work cooperating with Mueller. (laughs) yeah yeah 
I, uh, I, when they took all of his stuff and liquidating his entire inventory of life to <laughs> give it back to the government, he should have written notes that's like, saved for Deripaska, because that's yeah. all that he had. <laughs> like Santa. All of this shit that he even could conceivably liquidate. Uh, that's not the right word. Yeah, like leave sell him in, off. in the wheel or something. Yeah, 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 sell off to him is gone now. So not only is he in debt, but like all of his assets are seized by the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what does he do even if he did get out, right? Like, I don't know. Climbing, yeah. I don't know, because it says here that if Manafort got Trump to give that wink, and if he were the U.S. representative that kicked off the process of allowing Russia to keep eastern Ukraine, that uh, he, that would ensure his reception in Russia at the top level. Oh. He doesn't have that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if he's considered an, a foe or a friend well, to, to Putin and, and Deripaska. I would say a foe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but maybe Trump made it up to him by having Mnuchin lift the sanctions on Deripaska after selling off to, you know, Deripaska sold his shares. We'll get into it. Right, right. But now they're building a giant aluminum plant in Kentucky. And so maybe that was sort of like a, hey, sorry, the Manafort thing fell through. Here's an, here's an aluminum plant and yeah. all your money. Mitch will show you, you, keep all your money. everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Talk to Mitch. Can you imagine if Manafort's on the phone like, you got to get this plant for me, man? Yeah, right. I'm wondering if that's an attachment seven with the text messages between <laughs> yeah. him and uh, oh. Hannity or his lawyer. Like, oh, we need to really do something good for uh, Deripaska. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, in please. trouble, guys. <laughs> please. Fuck. <laughs> There's got to be a win-win here. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Mueller reviewed numerous Manafort emails and texts and asked Trump uh, about the plan uh, in the written questions they sent him. So remember when, you know, they sent Trump a bunch of written questions because Trump wasn't going to testify, mm-hmm. even though he promised he would. So they said that they asked him about that um, in his written questions, too. Uh, but despite Manafort communicating with Kalimnik on at least four occasions after the first discussion on August 2nd, Mueller did not uncover any evidence of Manafort's passing along the information about Ukrainian peace plans to the candidate or anyone in the Trump campaign or the administration. So that's the failure. Yeah, yeah. But Mueller explains here that he was unable to get all of Manafort's communications because Manafort used encryption to hide them. And while he denied that he spoke to members of the Trump campaign about it, he lied to Mueller and the grand jury about the peace plan and his meetings with Kalimnik to cover them up, which led a judge to determine that he breached his cooperation agreement. Mm -hmm. So Manafort may have very well succeeded in communicating this peace plan. Uh, and that might have led to the giving of missiles to Ukraine in, in exchange for shutting down their investigation into Manafort and the Russian interference. Yeah. It might have been a deal that they Throw made. Throw him a bone because he did good. Yeah, or just that's the deal that they made. Okay, yeah. That's like, like yeah. Uh, look, we got to get you. We have to be nice to Ukraine because they're investigating all of us. Mm-hmm. And so... We're going to give them some shitty missiles and you guys don't invade the Eastern thing. I know you wanted the Eastern thing. But in in any case, it might have happened that Manafort did tell the administration and that information was destroyed or they lied about it. We don't know and we won't know. Mueller could not reliably determine why Manafort shared the polling data. Uh, And Manafort and Redacted did not see a downside to sharing the campaign information, uh, Trump, and told (laughs) Gates that his role in the campaign would be good for business and that he could be made whole for work he previously completed with Ukraine. With regards to Deripaska, Manafort told the office, Mueller, that by sharing campaign information with him, he could resolve a disagreement between them, which is a nod to the lawsuits that Deripaska filed against Manafort. Before, uh, or because of a, a question... Uh, about Manafort's credibility. Uh, you know, obviously everyone questions his credibility. So because of that, and Mueller's limited ability to gather evidence on what happened to the polling data after it was sent to Kalimnik, the office was unable to assess 
what he or others may have done with it. Mm-hmm. And what real damage that caused. Right. Yeah, and we're going to get into the details of uh, discussions about that polling data, those polling data. Uh, Mueller was unable to prove the polling data was connected to Russian interference, nor could they establish that Manafort otherwise coordinated with the Russian government on its election interference efforts. So, again, that's when, when he's like... They destroyed evidence and they lied to us. I think they're mainly talking about Manafort here. So if they gave them this polling data and then there was some way to corroborate that they took that polling data and adjusted their efforts, whether it be social media or who they're targeting or something for hacking and stuff, if he could have proven that, do you think that would have resulted in something? As long as it wasn't circumstantial, as long as they had evidence, documentary evidence of saying in exchange for this polling data, or we're going to use this polling right. data, or we're using this polling, these polling data, these, not this, to do this. Which is tough because if they're, they have tough. half a brain, they're not going to say that. Correct. Yeah. And so otherwise, then it is legal for them, for Manafort to just give that data and then have them take it and run with it and it's, hurt our democracy. I don't, it's not legal, but in order to prove it's a crime, you that, have to have that. Yeah. Specific. That's a good distinction. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. Exactly. Prosecutable. It, totally, exactly, because yeah. you have to obtain and maintain. And I'd be fine with cir- circumstantial evidence, like not being something to charge with if they applied it to everyone. But I keep getting the feeling this is like privilege oh, again yeah. at its finest, right? Like just the idea of, well, we see the connections are close, but they're not all right. the way touching. Like so. a kid who has on video raping a girl that's passed out who says, I'm raping a girl. And mm-hmm. then that somehow isn't enough evidence to right, convict him right. as an adult. He came from a great family, you know? So it's, yeah, yeah. it's not applied equally. Oh. But it's the best system we got. We just have to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um the and only it doesn't help that we have. Yeah, the only definitely. <laughs> and it doesn't help when people lie and hide and breach their plea agreements and fuck with you and and right. cover things up and use WhatsApp and encrypt everything right. and, and lie yeah. about it. It's, and then he still committed so many crimes blatantly that he's still fucked. It's like they just that's what they did for a living. They were mm-hmm. criminals, professional criminals. Right. And for William Barr to come out and say nothing's wrong, everything's fine. He's a criminal. Despite all this uh is very dangerous mm-hmm. to our democracy as we know. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Then we get into the weeds, right? Starting on page 131 with subsection A about Paul Manafort's ties to Russia. And if you've been listening to the podcast, this is all going to sound super familiar, as does most of Mueller's report, actually. Um, the intro here says that Manafort's ties to Russia are rooted in his work in Ukraine with Deripaska from 2005 to 2015, covering his consulting and political work. Kalimnik worked for Manafort in Kiev uh, during that entire period and continued to communicate with Manafort through at least June of 2018. Mm. Uh, last year. That's mm. a long time. Yeah. That's after a lot of stuff went down. Yeah. Uh, Manafort started working for Deripaska in about 2005. Deripaska is a Russian aluminum magnet who, magnate, magnet, <laughs> who was uh, <laughs> sanctioned in his aluminum magnet. <laughs> Sticks yeah. right to aluminum. That's what's on his billboard. <laughs> yeah. Magnets. How do they work? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was sanctioned by the U.S. Uh, until recently when Steve, as I said, Steve, the secretary of the Treasury, Mnuchin, lobbied to lift those sanctions by allowing Deripaska to sell some of his shares of his in his aluminum empire. But he sold them to the Kremlin and his family members and still has controlling interest by proxy. And then lo and behold, Kentucky signed that deal to open the largest aluminum plant in the United States. And that's McConnell's home state. Yep. And he was one of the Republicans. (laughs) He was one of the Republicans that voted to lift sanctions on Deripaska. Deripaska? Deripaska. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even want to, like, give him the the credit by pronouncing his name properly. (laughs) Deripaska. Like a a Trump nickname. Right. Deripaska sounds a lot more elitist. Kamala. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She'd be a great AG, by the way, if she does get the presidency. Yeah. Kamala would. 
Hell yeah. Now I'm saying a Kamala would kick ass as AG. Yeah, it's hard to say when, tr- when Trump, Trump says just, it wrong in your face. All oh, right. gosh. Or like an IG, but she's above that position. That's I fair. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she would be so good well, at it. She could it. be the, the IG, like Horowitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cool president, too. I'm cool. You know, whatever, whatever happens, they're all great. I think her and Warren would be cool. Absolutely. Yeah, could change, though. I got to go. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It's very early. Seven months till the first primary. True. <laughs> History's going to fly by, though. Yeah, history's oh. a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> So anyhow, Manafort was a consultant for Oleg Deripaska, who used him to install friendly political officials in countries where Deripaska had business interests, according to Rick Gates. That's pretty much how they became friends. Mm -hmm. Manafort earned tens of millions for this work and was loaned millions by Deripaska as well. All of this is according to 302s from Manafort and Gates, as well as Manafort company memos and financial statements. Then Mueller talks about how in 2007... Deripaska invested millions with Manafort in a failed telecom deal, and that led to bad blood between them, which is pretty much the basis for the quid pro quo between the two, the exchange for campaign info to make whole, pay him back. Mm -hmm. Um, A little later in this section, we'll talk about how Tom Barak pitched Manafort to Trump, who offered Mm -hmm. to work for free. I know he's been on Jordan's uh, fantasy indictment league for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Manafort met uh, Renat Akhmetov, uh, through Deripaska, who hired Manafort as a consultant for the Party of Regions in 2005. Party of Regions is like a Russian-backed political party in Ukraine, pro-Russian, Ukrainian, kind of like opposition bloc. Mm-hmm. And uh, Manafort helped them regain power by grooming Viktor Yanukovych to look just like him, uh, who eventually won the presidency in 2010, but fled the country in 2014 to Russia after popular protests ousted him. Bye. <laughs> Then uh, we get to Skinny on Kalimnik. And as we know, a lot of deep, uh, deep staters claim he's an American agent. Uh, he's not. And you can refer any doubters to page 132 and 133 of volume one of the Mueller report. He worked for Manafort. He has ties to Ukraine and Russia and maintained a relationship with Deripaska's deputy, Viktor Boyarkin, who uh, previously served in the office of the Russian embassy to the United States. We reported in episode 61 on a story in Time magazine um, about Boyarkin. Uh, when he was on the top of the U.S. sanctions list. Uh, He's a former arms dealer. He's an ex-Russian spy. He handled Deripaska's money. And Boyarkin told reporters he was in touch with Manafort, who owed Deripaska a lot of money. I think he might have been like the... The muscle. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are those people called? The the bounty, a bounty hunter? Muscle. Yeah, yeah. The can... apes. The... Yeah, yeah. The... The muscle sounds... Rocky I get did what you're it. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Bounty hunter could be it, too. But uh, the person who goes to do the the dirty job to get the money to go right? retrieve the shit. To yeah, totally. Else it's a bounty needs. hunter. I don't know. I didn't know. No, either. a bounty hunter is a guy who goes after people who skipped bail. Oh, okay. And turns uh, them yeah. into the cops to get their bail to get their reward. It's kind of a good person. A little bit. Damn, this I, guy's worse. That's intense. They need a whole job for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's this like guy. Some Liam Neeson shit. <laughs> yeah, which I will just, find you. Yeah, and that's, those are Americans, not immigrants, <laughs> um, that they're collecting on. But yeah, no, this uh, this guy just goes and I, I I don't know if he's the muscle. He just goes. And, it just seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. And I know there's a word for that guy, but I can't think of it. Rocky. He did that. <laughs> so uh, Boyarkin told the reporters that he was in touch with Manafort, who owed Deripaska money. Right. And he was offering to pay it back. And Boyarkin was approached by Mueller, uh, according to Boyarkin. And Boyarkin told him to go dig a ditch. Oh, huh. this was in December of 2018. And um with some of the clearest evidence of coordination, or at least the quid pro quo between Manafort and Deripaska, right? Mm-hmm. According to the footnotes, uh, the info on, on Boyarkin was supplied by Gates and Sam Patton. There's no more mention of him in the Mueller report at this point. <laughs> so that was their contact? Hello? Yeah. Hey, this is Boyarkin. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, this is Mueller. Um, 
No. Get big, <laughs> that go was dig it. a ditch. <laughs> oh, I guess that's a big insult in Russia. Yeah, they yeah. They do dig a lot of ditches. Hmm. Uh, yeah, only the prestigious people get to work in the Internet Research Agency. <laughs> Everyone like else digs ditches. Yeah, that's kind of bringing Mueller in, though, into the mob life, it seems. Yeah, and like, which is used to. Go dig a ditch. Yeah, he's probably yeah. had way more clever, like, insults thrown at him or threats, you know? Like, <laughs> I wonder if later Boyarkin was like, I should have said something. Yeah. Go, go play in traffic. Oh, no. He's been, he had five different kill lines he was trying yeah. to choose between. <laughs> Hope he's in the shower. Damn it. Yeah. That would have been so much better. <laughs> Um, <laughs> when will you learn to self-edit by Arkin? <laughs> then at the top of page 33, Manafort to- told Mueller that he didn't think Kalimnik was working for Russia. Uh, but the FBI, however, assesses that Kalimnik has ties to Russian intelligence. And then Mueller lists four pieces of evidence supporting that assessment. Um, and they include Kalimnik was born April 27, 1970. I'm younger. Yes. <laughs> um, then... Uh, that in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, he attended the Military Institute and the Ministry of Defense from 87 to 92, high school for me. Um, and then Sam Patton, a business partner to Kalimnik, stated that Kalimnik told him that he was a translator in the Russian army for seven years and that later he worked in the Russian armament industry selling arms and military equipment. So that's one piece of evidence. Another piece of evidence, U.S. government visa records reveal that Kalimnik obtained a visa to travel to the United States with a Russian diplomatic passport in 1997. There, he's part of the Russian government. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kalimnik worked for the International Republican Institute, IRI, Moscow office, where he did translation work and general office management from 98 to 2005. While another official recalled the incident differently, one former associate of Kalimnik's at, TR- at IRI told the FBI that Kalimnik was fired from his post because of his links to Russian intelligence. <laughs> the same individual stated that uh, as well. And it's well known that the IRI and Kalimnik had links to Russian, the Russian government. That's so funny because when you go to a new job, they ask you, why do you leave your old one? <laughs> I wonder what he tells them. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, and actually, ooh, there's five pieces of evidence, not four. Uh, number four is Jonathan Hawker, a British national, national who was a public relations consultant um, at FTI Consultant Consulting, worked with DMI on a public relations campaign for Yanukovych. After Hawker's work for DMI ended, Kalimnik contacted Hawker about working for a Russian government entity on a public relations process or a project that would promote in Western and Ukrainian media Russian positions on its 2014 invasion of Crimea. So he did that too so then it makes <laughs> sense because that's what the whole this whole thing is about is russia wants that eastern part of, of ukraine Carmia, yeah crimea river yeah no sorry that's belittling him but that phrase always makes me think of it yep and then uh, gates finally gates suspected that kalimnik was a spy a view that he shared with manafort hawker and alexander and vanderswan uh an attorney who had worked with dmi on a report for the ukrainian ministry of foreign affairs that's vanderswan and that report for the ukrainian ministry of foreign affairs that was the report that whitewashed um, mm-hmm. the Tymoshenko jailing. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that. Uh-huh. And that was episode was like 17. Yeah. In a wheelchair. Deformed from. Pretty much. Or mm-hmm. disabled. Yeah. 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 So they basically were imprisoning her and they'd worked together with Vanderswan and Gates to try to get it so that they write this report and try to lobby the United States to say that she deserved to be in prison, basically. Mm-hmm. Lock her up. That's where that came yep, from. Yep, the original. Mm-hmm. The OG. Probably not. It probably was even. Yeah, before good that. point. Yeah. Uh, the footnotes here cite 302s from Manafort, Sam Patton, Lindsay, and Nix. The Nix reference is about the International Republican Institute's Moscow office, the IRI, where Kalimnik did translation work. Nix, I think, is the former head of Cambridge Analytica, NIX, Nix, hmm. Alexander Nix. Uh, Lindsay is the director of the IRI in Georgia, not here, there. 
So interestingly, at the end of all those bullets is a short redacted sentence for investigative technique with no corresponding footnote. I'm guessing it relates to how Mueller was able to determine Kalimnik was connected to Russian intelligence um, another way. And it makes me wonder if this is another bar redaction so that we don't see it. Right. With him, we just don't know. But yeah. it would make sense for Mueller not to reveal his Well, because Trump's one of Trump's whole deep state things is that Kalimnik is working with the CIA like Mifsud, right? Oh, yeah. So if you have a, a sentence there that definitively proves <laughs> that he's a Russian fucking spy. So you got to get that one out. Yeah, he might have covered that up for yeah. investigative techniques. It's like scrambling for the whiteout or the blackout in this case. Yeah. Well, we will never know, at least not today. <laughs> Uh, on to part B on page 134, contacts during Paul Manafort's time with the Trump campaign. And again, we know most of this, but we'll go over it with you. Uh, he served on the campaign, as I said, from March to August, though at one point Trump tried to downplay Manafort's role in his campaign. You remember this? This isn't in the report. I just remembered it mm-hmm. uh, when he said he was there for less than three months. Mm-hmm. only been there three months. When, in fact, that's more than five months. Uh, and he was the chairman. <laughs> and Gates was the deputy chairman, uh, who stayed well into the transition after Manafort resigned uh, in shame. Yeah, that was when Manafort was starting to get accused of things, right? He yeah, it came out that he had all that yeah. Ukraine money ties. Yeah, yeah. And so and stop he, have to leave. making up things about me. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know this guy. <laughs> I hardly know her. <laughs> well, like Darapuska? Who? I don't even know what you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, that's Karamnok? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You never hear Trump trying to like uh, like say a Russian's name because either he knows he'll mispronounce it and he's like, I don't know, afraid of insulting them or he just can't pronounce <laughs> either it. Either that or Putin's like, don't say our Don't name. even yeah. bother. Yeah, you most likely not. that. It's yeah. some sort of weird cuck thing. I would love like, to yeah. see him try though. <laughs> and I imagine him being like, Deripaska. <laughs> <laughs> With the, the hand Oleg. gesture. Oleg. We're very good friends, yeah. Oleg. <laughs> I call him Steve. <laughs> Maybe Oleg and Steve Mnuchin are the same person. Have you ever seen them in the same room at oh, the same time? Oh, shit. I've never seen like. Oleg. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Steve Mnuchin trying to be a Russian mobster? Oh, my God. He's such a worm. No like, swag. Hey, you guys, knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> no Russian swag. <laughs> They're all just Dana Carvey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, yeah, here's, this is, here's your part, Jordan. Here's where we confirm that Thomas Barack and Roger Stone oh, recommended yes. Manafort to Trump. So earlier in the year, Manafort asked Barack to pitch him to Trump to join the campaign, write a letter, and he wanted to manage the convention as well, the Republican National Convention. Uh, Obviously, because he's the guy who's in charge of making sure that Russia can control half of Ukraine. And so he wanted to get in there and fuck with that thing. If you need something done, you do it yourself. With that platform, right? Yeah. Uh, Stone had worked with Manafort from 1980 to the mid-1990s. I didn't know that. They used to go clubbing together. Uh, Through various consulting and lobbying firms, of course. And Manafort met Trump in 1982 when Trump hired his lobbying firm that he and Stone ran. According to Gates, Manafort went to Mar-a-Lago in March of 2016 to meet with Trump, and Trump hired him right then and there. Hmm. And No one's ever talked to me that way before. You're hired. (laughs) I like what you're putting down. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And this is important. Manafort had no meaningful income at the time, but offered to work for free. And Gates told Mueller that Manafort intended to remain outside the administration if Trump were elected to monetize his relationship with Trump if if he won. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, that's all he's about. Yeah. Okay. Is to monetize knowing Trump and to pay back Deripaska for knowing Trump. That's it. He yeah. figures if he can get in with Trump, he can erase this debt, not be killed by Novichuk. And possibly continue criming. Yeah, very valuable Money connection. Mm-hmm. So um, the minute before Manafort joined the campaign, he instructed Gates. Excuse me, the minute after <laughs> the minute before <laughs> the minute after Manafort joined the campaign, he told Gates to prepare a bunch of memoranda to Deripaska, Akhmetov, uh, 
Vyavachkin. What's his name? Lyavachkin? Yeah, Lyavachkin. I have a typo here. Mm -hmm. And uh, a guy named Kolesnikov. Um, These are a bunch of Ukrainian oligarchs who were senior opposition bloc officials, so pro-Russian Ukrainian oligarchs. Mm -hmm. Um, The letter said he was working on the Trump campaign. So he just (laughs) reached out to all of his Ukraine, uh, pro-Russian Ukraine buddies and said, I'm working for Trump. Yeah, yeah, just bragging. And I'd be happy to consult with you Mm -hmm. on Ukrainian politics in the future. And in March 2016, Gates uh, sent the memos and press release announcing Manafort's job to Kalimnik. And Manafort reached out to Kalimnik later to see if he got his note. And Kalimnik said, absolutely, every article. And that's when Manafort said, how do we use this to get whole? Has OVD operation seen? OVD is Oleg something Deripaska. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't write it down. Yeah. Begins with a V, ends with an itch. <laughs> oh, like very. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Kalimnik wrote back the same day and said, yes, I've been sending everything to Boyarkin, who has been forwarding the, the coverage directly to Deripaska. Boyarkin is like Deripaska's deputy chief staff. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Number one guy. Number one guy. <laughs> then here's something that wasn't part of the public reporting back in the day. Get this. Gates told Mueller that Manafort thought uh, his role on the campaign could help confirm that Deripaska had dropped his lawsuit. And Gates thought Manafort sent polling data to Deripaska as part of that effort. So that's what Gates told Mueller. Gates said, this is a quid pro quo. He's going to drop lawsuit if I can get campaign information to him. Mm -hmm. That's what Gates told Mueller. (laughs) Gates also told Mueller that Deripaska wanted a visa to the United States and could possibly get one if Manafort was working for Trump. Uh, Gates said that Manafort never told him anything specific about what Manafort might be offering Deripaska. And we know from Mike McFall, Deripaska begged Clinton for a visa when she was the Secretary of State, but she never gave him one. Putin even asked her on multiple occasions. Uh, Gates then told the office that Manafort instructed him in April of 2016 or so to send Kolymnik internal polling data and other updates so he could send them to Ukrainian oligarchs. Hmm. Gates understood it would be um, also shared with Deripaska. And then there's a redacted bar for grand jury stuff, Hmm. probably Putin or the deputy prime minister, somebody higher mm-hmm. than Deripaska, uh, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, these polling data came from Tony Fabrizio, <laughs> and handing it over was a way to showcase Manafort's work. His, which, yeah, his power, I guess. Uh, or his... His uh, usefulness? Yeah, like his... Yeah, how which good is of so a, hard How good debate. of a little soldier he is. Yeah. Uh, and that's the tasking we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. right? And Fabrizio worked with Manafort for years. And this is... I didn't know this. I did, but I forgot... Fabrizio was hired by Manafort to be the polling data guy on the Trump campaign. Oh, my goodness. So, (laughs) yeah. I mean, he's the polling guy, right? (laughs) Yep. And they didn't specify uh, fair polling data that they wanted. He's just got the stuff. (laughs) They just want internal. That's the most internal as it gets. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And if you've been tasked by Russians to hand over polling data, you better bring in one of your buddies. Yeah. Someone you can trust to cry with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) To cry with you. (laughs) And of course, the polling data uh, was sent via WhatsApp. And Gates then deleted the communications on a daily basis. This is Gates' testimony. Right, right. So send it via WhatsApp, polling data from Fabrizio, who was placed by Manafort. Send it to Kalimnik, who sent it to knowingly. They knew it was going to go to Deripaska and somebody above Deripaska. And then Gates was deleting these messages on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. I guess he doesn't know that WhatsApp does that for you. (laughs) Very suspicious, too. WhatsApp (laughs) has been, like, having outages along with other... uh platforms recently and Fuck what's up. i get very curious about that considering how involved it was with these crimes 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be wiping the servers clean, all kinds of things. And that's part of, again, when Mueller just opens up the report saying, there's a lot of shit I couldn't get because people deleted shit. Yeah. He says, right here, Gates deleted it <laughs> daily. And um, Gates continued to send the data uh, after Manafort left the campaign. He kept doing it after Manafort he resigned. He couldn't stop. And Gates' account about polling data is consistent with redacted multiple emails. <laughs> There's a redacted Okay, letter. I was going to say, how does <laughs> the that emails work? aren't redacted. <laughs> um, with multiple emails, Kalimnik sent to U.S. associates and press contacts between July and August 2016. The emails referenced internal polling, the status of the campaign, Manafort's role in it, and Trump's prospects for victory. Quote, Manafort did not acknowledge instructing Gates to send Kalimnik internal data. And the final sentence here is redacted for grand jury Yeah, he just gave him a wink. That's what that says on the end. (laughs) Yeah, so he lied again. Basically, yeah. But even though Manafort denied it, Mueller had emails consistent with Gates' account. One example of this is an email exchange between Manafort and Kalimnik where Manafort told him to tell Boyarkin, that's Deripaska's guy, that if Deripaska needs private briefings, he could accommodate that. Now, Manafort told Mueller he was only willing to brief Deripaska on public campaign matters, such as why Trump selected... Pence is the vice president. But Manafort said he never gave Deripaska a briefing. And we know this not to be true, as Manafort met with Kalimnik on multiple occasions, and uh, Deripaska's jet was nearby, which then took Kalimnik to Russia to pick up the deputy prime minister and then went to hang out on (laughs) Deripaska's yacht. The most expensive Uber pool you could ever get. (laughs) With Nastia Ribka, yeah. Uber collusion. Uber collusion? (laughs) Oh my God. And that's, yeah, and that's Nasty Rubka's video yeah, on the- Lift sanctions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are on it, man. What? Uber collusion, lift sanctions. <laughs> I love it. Leafed. Uh, and all these communications, by the way, they all come from 302s uh, from Gates, Manafort, um, and Manafort emails, according to the footnotes on page, pages 136 and 137, along with some uh, redacted grand jury testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, and 302s, again, those are the forms that an FBI agent fills out when they interview you. Yeah. Um, then right on cue, Mueller discusses Manafort's two campaign period meetings with uh, period meetings. <laughs> they talked about that. <laughs> they talked about they that think flow. we have those. <laughs> we do. My mom never had one of those with me. Aww. I know. Uh, <laughs> Every throw, period meeting. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, at you. Yeah, it's just a box of tampons. You're like, there's a diagram on the back. Go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I didn't want to ask. That's fair. <laughs> I figured. So, uh, yeah, so Mueller discusses Manafort's two campaign period meetings with Kalimnik starting on page 138. So they met twice uh, in May and August of 2016. And if you listen to Mueller, she wrote, you know, all about these meetings, especially the August one, because that was a big one. Gates arranged the first meeting and Manafort and Kalimnik had breakfast. It's a breakfast thing. Oh. Uh, Manafort, of course, lied to Mueller and said Kalimnik didn't ask for anything during that meeting. Uh, the second meeting was at the Grand Havana Cigar Club on August 2nd. Um, and Mueller doesn't mention that the Grand Havana is in Kushner's Devil Building, 666 mm-hmm. Fifth Avenue. But it is. Uh, and <laughs> and Mueller spells out exactly w- as we reported on it. He spells this out on July 28th, because we, we went through this. You'll remember this timeline. July 28th, Kalimnik flew from Kiev to Moscow. The next day, Kalimnik wrote to Manafort asking for the meeting. Um, using coded language about a conversation he had that day. Mm-hmm. The subject line was black caviar. Mm. <laughs> and he wrote, <laughs> I don't like caviar. And he wrote, 
I met today with the guy who gave you your biggest black caviar jar several years ago. We spent about five hours talking about his story, and I have several important messages from him to you. Oh, my God. This is just like when drug dealers yeah. totally try to get you to... Your boyfriend, Ryan, has a joke about this. I don't know if he does it anymore. Yeah, so they call them T-shirts. An ace of T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Um, here, wait, there's more in the email. He asked me to go and brief you on our conversation. I said I have to run it by you first, but in principle, I'm prepared to do it. It has to do about the future of his country, and it's quite interesting. Okay, former KGB guy, even <laughs> I can crack your fucking code. Okay, Seriously. Everybody knows this is Yanukovych. Um, and Manafort told Mueller that the guy, Manafort actually told Mueller the guy was Yanukovych and explained that he gave him a large jar of black caviar that was worth thirty to $40,000. <laughs> And this did jive with Kalimnik being in Moscow, where Yanukovych resided when Kalimnik wrote, I met with the guy today, and with a December 2016 email in which Kalimnik referred to Yanukovych as BG. Now, there's a few redacted words uh, due to grand jury stuff, though the footnote is redacted due to that and investigative techniques. <laughs> I presume what's under that redaction is what BG stands for. Oh, yeah. Yanukovych is the big guy. <laughs> black caviar. No, that... Like, yeah. BG's a famous rapper in the Young Money and Cash Money group. It's I don't not know it. That's, that's not good to know. Okay. Guaranteed <laughs> that that's not it. He is in jail, though, so... But how does that <laughs> verify uh, Kalimnik referring to Yanukovych as BG... Um, how does that verify that he's the black caviar gifter? Does BG, does it say, yeah, is it BG the caviar guy or something? Oh, black caviar guy? Oh, that's not quite it. I don't know. That's a strange one there. I don't know, but Mueller is saying it's Yanukovych, and, he, and this email, whatever it said, an email in which Kalimnik referred to Yanukovych as BG redacted, mm-hmm. uh, corroborates somehow that Yanukovych is the guy, the black caviar guy. Yeah, of course mm. it'll be the coat that corroborates it. They try to cover it up. They're not total idiots. <sighs> it's pretty stupid. Yeah, it's though. like borderline hard to crack. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if the spying is just all weird stuff like this, like uh, black caviar. You know? Yeah. Like, Aren't you supposed to be like international scary spies? <laughs> I don't think they assume people would care so much about these things to catch up to them. They didn't think average Americans would be like looking into this shit. No, and I think it comes down to one of those, you know, the Comey moment when he's in the White House with Ashcroft and Bush and he's looking around. And he's like, it's us. We're it. We're in charge of the universe. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so I look at some of these spy emails and I'm like, that's it. This that's is it. it. <laughs> that's that's the whole cloak and dagger. The, people write novels about this shit. Yeah. yeah. Some people are probably better spies, but they don't get caught. Yeah. That's and that's why <laughs> my friend who's a con- my, my friend uh, who's a conspiracy theorist, sort of uh, friend is a loose term. <laughs> Uh, that's why I'm always just like, no, man, the government's not hiding aliens. They can't come up with a filing system. Have you read their encoded emails? They are too stupid I'm to so hide suspicious. aliens from you. I believe that. <laughs> I do believe there could be a secret group that is hiding aliens, but they're too smart to nope. get caught. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Never know. Nope. Unless it's Mueller. Mueller might He's be hiding aliens. the only aliens. one who can't leak. I wouldn't put it past them. I don't think we have the power to harness aliens. Really? Uh, uh-uh. Man, no. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't think they'd give us the time of day anyway. That's such yeah. a good point. It makes me sad, though, because I used to want to believe that we could do that. But now I'm starting to really question it. You're right, AG. Like, well, the government like, sucks yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Do you All think- the time. They're not <laughs> together. Right. Like I said, when I took my government job, high-level government job, and I walked in there in the year 2009, there was a Windows 95 for Dummies <laughs> debt book on my desk. 
and an IBM word processor. And an alien at the little. (laughs) We just upgraded to Windows 7, okay? So, like, just, yeah, they're not hiding aliens. And this is what spy emails look like. Right. If we had better government, maybe we would be hiding aliens. We'd have, like, the focus on NASA, you know? Way too expensive. $92 million? Isn't that what the military parade was? We need that wealth tax. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way we would have been able to capture them if we can't even go and find them ourselves. Yeah, yeah. They're clearly hiding from us, if anything. Yeah. I, yeah, I would just ignore us. Right, right. I don't know, man. We're like hillbillies. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's the got to be system. other intelligent life that's way worth more talking. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Closer <laughs> to like the you know core of the Milky Way. Yeah, We've only been here for a couple hundred thousand years. What, maybe? If you yeah. ask a, uh, and the wrong person, they'll say 6,000. <laughs> we're already killing ourselves. Yeah. So it's Well, they could be examining us on scales we can't even comprehend. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. listening to Muller, she wrote. What Whoa. if we're just another study and like, oh, yep, oh, and they only made it a couple hundred thousand years. Like, maybe they're playing risk. Maybe they're betting on us. Yeah. Too. They're like, like, mm, biological cul-de-sac fail mm-hmm. totally we're like the roller coaster tycoon or whatever yeah they're taking yeah, bets yeah. on if a meteor is gonna game. kill us or if we're gonna kill ourselves <laughs> or, oh they have a pool they have their own fantasy maybe maybe we. some uh intelligent life out technologies themselves maybe some just use up all their resources and yeah. snuff it maybe some of them make it really far and get super we can advanced. prove them wrong just vote for a democrat and we can make this all better guys <laughs> yeah. we can prove those aliens wrong That'll rise up against our creators <laughs> rise up <laughs> Rage against the aliens <laughs> with lasers. Uh, all right, guys. July thirty first, uh, three days later, Kalimnik flew back from Kiev to Moscow and, and wrote Manafort that he needed two hours for this meeting because it's a long caviar story. He said, uh, and he wrote, <laughs> "It's a long caviar story." I swear to God, this is it. Uh, this is the KGB. So uh, he wrote he would land at JFK on August 2nd at 7.30, and they agreed to meet for a late dinner the same night. Mueller says documentary evidence corroborates the time and the place of the meeting. As for what was talked about in the meeting, Mueller surmised from Manafort and Gates' testimonies and documentary evidence uh, of what Kalimnik told Sam Patton that they talked about three main things. This is where Sam Patton came in handy. It sounds like he told... Mueller what was happening in this meeting. Mm-hmm. First, they talked about a plan to resolve political problems in Ukraine by creating an autonomous republic in the eastern region of Donbass, and uh, Yanukovych would be elected to run it, <laughs> a run as the Ukraine as Ukrainian president. Again, Manafort acknowledged this was a backdoor way for Russia to control eastern Ukraine. That was his goal. And he wanted to give eastern Ukraine to Russia in exchange for the $19 million he owed to yeah. Deripaska. Manafort told Mueller, he said to Kalimnik, that his plan was crazy town. Um, So Manafort's like, yeah, he wanted me to do this. I said, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) And he didn't recall Kalimnik asking him to consider, uh, to reconsider after their August 2nd meeting. Um, Then there's a redacted sentence for grand jury reason, which reads, Manafort said redacted that he reacted negatively to Yanukovych sending an urgent request when Yanukovych needed him. When confronted with an email written by Kalimnik in December 2016, though, by Mueller, Manafort changed his bullshit story. (laughs) So Mueller showed him an email saying, yeah, but look right here. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he acknowledged that Kalimnik raised the uh, peace plan in January and February. He had meetings with him. Oh, you got me, bro. Caught me slipping. (laughs) Caught me slipping. (laughs) So uh, now here we know that Manafort met with Kalimnik a few more times and lied to Mueller about it. Because we only thought he met with him in August, and mm-hmm. those two times in September and August, but he met with him in January and February too. Thrice. And oh no, four times. Quice, quarse. Qu- I don't know. Four times. I don't know. And that's fourteen. Oops. <laughs> Maybe um, fourteen times. What do we know? <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, 
I didn't know that. I didn't know that he met with him too. And my, and Mueller pulled out the email and said, "Yeah, you did." And he's like, "Shit, you got me, bro. Cool, <laughs> cool, cool. Good, good one." <laughs> I wonder if he had tried to high five him. Yeah, I give him a fist bump. <laughs> um, another topic of discussion, topic two at that cigar bar, was Manafort uh, briefing Kalimnik on the state of the campaign and his plans to win the election for Trump, along with the campaign messaging and the internal polling data. Uh, according to Gates, and this is important, it also included a discussion of key battleground states, which Manafort identified Manafort identified as Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. Manafort failed to mention that to Mueller, however, but as we know, Trump won the Electoral College despite losing his ass in the popular vote by securing fewer than 88,000 votes in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Mm. But of course, as Mueller has said, he didn't look into whether the vote was manipulated or not. Even though we know all 50 states got hacked and some of them might have had things changed. And that Manafort specifically mentioned those three states in that meeting Very when he was uh, conveying polling data. And, yeah. though, and he won by 88,000, left fewer than 88,000 votes in those three states. Mueller must be leaving that one to the states because there's already a battle with like some states not wanting to out the counties that were hacked. Like They're kind of working. Well, he left it to the FBI. Yeah, that makes sense. And the Just... FBI is leaving it to the states. And the yeah. FBI is currently run by Trump. So there you go. Oh, gross. <laughs> Finally, they discussed the unresolved Darip- this third thing. They discussed the Deripaska lawsuit and the funds apparently the opposition bloc owed to Manafort for his consulting work and how Manafort might be able to get that payment. It's like, um, buddy, I wouldn't push your luck there. You, you <laughs> owe Putin's number two guy $19 million. Mm-hmm. Um, Who does number two work for? Putin, I guess, in this case. Yeah. Putin. <laughs> when the meeting was over, Gates and Manafort said they left separately to avoid the media finding out about the meeting. So they knew that they shouldn't have done it. And then on to page 141 in the section about post-resignation activities after Manafort resigned. And he resigned in mid-August, as we all know, with uh, when his pro-Russian Ukrainian ties came out and about two weeks after his second meeting with Kalimnik. But after he left... Gates said he continued to consult with Bannon, Cush, and Trump himself. And these contacts are documented in emails, including a message to Cush with a strategy proposal that the campaign say Clinton is a failed and corrupt champion of the establishment and that WikiLeaks gave Trump the ability to make the case in a very credible way by using the words of Clinton uh, herself. In another email to Cush, Manafort said he was feeling good about their prospects on Tuesday and they should, quote, focus on preserving the victory. (laughs) Because Hillary would respond to a loss by claiming the Russians hacked into the voting machines and tampered with the results. And this is really interesting to me. That before the election, a little bit before the election, with I think less than a week, Manafort says to Kush, he's excited about Tuesday, but we need to focus on preserving the victory. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when Marco Rubio said that thing, like, what if, you know, it's like they exactly predicted. Yeah. And so it's no mistake here, I think, that the the order in which Mueller lays this out, he has the meeting with Kalimnik. He tells him the polling data and gives him information on three key states. And then Trump wins the election by less than 88,000, fewer than 88,000 votes in those states. And then Manafort reaches out to Cush and he puts this in here for a reason to say, I'm feeling good about Tuesday. We need to focus on preserving the victory because Hillary would respond to a loss by claiming the Russians delegitimized the Trump election. Yeah, very specific. And Trump seems to be very angry all the time when anyone questions his legitimacy or mm-hmm. the electoral legitimacy or anything like that. So that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it makes me think, uh, yeah, exactly. 
I guess it could just be optimistic speech before an election, <laughs> right? That's what you can write it off as. There's no reason. There's no conceivably easy way to prove that that was them saying we know we're going to win. I would write it off as such if Mueller didn't stick it right there in this report in such a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because there's millions and millions of documents that this report represents and to put that bit of information in there is everything he does is very purposeful. Yeah, yeah. So just to lay out that series of events, it was just really, really interesting to Mm -hmm. me. Uh, After Trump won, Manafort lived up to his claim that he didn't want a job in the administration, but he wanted to monetize his adjacency. Um, I made up that word, but it, (laughs) it turned out to be real. So he traveled to the Middle East, Cuba, South Korea, Japan, and China, and was paid by them to describe what a Trump presidency would entail. So he goes over this as, I know Trump real well. You want to know what's coming? And they paid him to tell him. That's insane. He also had meetings related to Ukraine and Russia, including a meeting, which we reported on, that took place in Spain. Remember the Madrid January Mm -hmm. 2017 meeting between Manafort and a guy named Oganov? Uh, Oganov had previously worked at the Russian embassy in the U.S. and was a senior director at one of Deripaska's companies. Manafort denied attending the meeting to Mueller, but later owned up to it and said it was arranged by his lawyers in the Deripaska lawsuit. Manafort also lied about the reason for the meeting when Mueller found text messages proving his lawyers did not set up the meeting, (laughs) but that Kalimnik and Boyarkin, Deripaska's chief of staff, actually set that meeting up. And the text messages show the meeting was about repairing Manafort's relationship with Deripaska and that Manafort said it needed to be done by the inauguration. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three days after that meeting, Manafort emailed Katie McFarland. And this is the first time we've come across her name in the Mueller report. She was designated to be Flynn's deputy national security advisor. She didn't start yet, but she had been picked. Manafort's email said, quote, I have some important information I want to share that I picked up on my travels over the last month. Now, Manafort told Mueller the email referenced an issue regarding Cuba, not Russia or Ukraine, citing his trip to Cuba. I went to Cuba. And Does she have any connection to Cuba? Pardon, pardon me, makes, pardon me thinks that he went to Cuba just so he could say that he went to Cuba. Yeah, yeah. Or use that as an excuse. Uh, but McFarland didn't respond to his email, not that uh, Mueller could find. And the footnotes show Mueller has these emails, along with text messages between Manafort and Kalimnik. And they also show uh, the McFarland emails included Flynn. Flynn was copied. Hmm. Uh, Manafort also told Mueller he met with Kalimnik and Lyavochkin around the time of the inauguration to discuss uh, the Yanukovych peace plan. Now, you remember, Lyavochkin is the guy Sam Patton bought a ticket for $50,000 to the inauguration. He's one of those Ukrainian oligarchs that went to the inauguration and everyone was scratching their chins. Like, that's a way that they got pro-Russian Ukrainian money into the inaugural or to Trump somehow. Right, by buying yeah. tickets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they Using bought the ticket and then days after they're talking to Manafort about a peace plan. Yeah, using a straw purchaser. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like I said, Manafort told Mueller he met with Kolimnik and Lyavochkin around the time of the inauguration because he was there to discuss the peace plan. And by peace plan, I mean handing the eastern Ukraine to Russia. Was yeah, it, not sorry, exactly was, peaceful. <laughs> it says around the time of the inauguration. Is this before or after... Around the time to discuss. Uh, Hmm. And they talked about uh, the peace plan, the same peace plan they talked about in the August 2nd meeting. And again, in December, emails found in Kalimnik's email account. And that's redacted for investigative technique. They probably just didn't want us to know how they got into Kalimnik's email. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's the email where Kalimnik says that they just need a wink or a nudge from, from Donald Trump. And the decision to deem Manafort as a special representative could manage the process, which DT could have peace in Ukraine within a few months of inauguration. And then we have a paragraph redacted under grand jury 
uh, auspices. Um, no guess as to what's under there. Uh, but it's regarding Manafort seeking to qualify his engagement on an, uh, and support for the plan. So it's got something to do with Manafort try- being a part of it. Right. Uh, then a month after Manafort's Madrid meeting with Oganoff, he went to Madrid again in February to meet with Kolumnik. And Manafort lied about this meeting twice to Mueller. But after being confronted with evidence Kolumnik was in Madrid at the same time, he fessed up. That's all it took. <laughs> he was in the same city. And he was like, okay, what a dumbass. Uh, he said Kolumnik had updated him on a, a criminal investigation into so-called black ledger payments to Manafort that was being conducted by Ukraine. Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau. This is the one. This is the this is the investigation. And then there's a redacted couple of sentences. But this is interesting because of the reporting that Trump eventually, as I was telling you earlier, gave missiles to Ukraine right as they agreed to stop cooperating with Mueller on the Manafort <laughs> investigation. And according to Mueller, Manafort, and he, he doesn't bring that up in here. Mueller doesn't. He just brings that bit up. Just that little part. But he doesn't say, uh, then they stopped cooperating. Yeah, with that's me. a really important thing. To I not thought so too. Mention, yeah. Um, according to Mueller, Manafort remained in touch with maybe that's one of the handed off things. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. But anyway, sorry. According to Mueller, Manafort remained in touch with Kolumnik throughout 2017 and into the spring of last year, which included conversations about the criminal charges brought by Mueller against Manafort. They also chatted about uh, Ukraine peace plan. And last year, Manafort helped draft a poll for Ukraine and a poll primer, which called for Trump to support the autonomous Republic of Donbass, which is, again, giving eastern Ukraine to Russia and Yanukovych's which is role in resolving the conflict, being the hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very interesting um, lobbying that he was taking that was taking place as he was under a gag order. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mueller says here that he did not uncover evidence that Manafort communicated the peace plan to the Trump campaign or the Trump administration. We've talked about that. Uh, Kolumnik promoted the peace plan to the United States State Department into the summer of 2018. And uh, that's the entire section on Manafort, guys. And I feel like it's missing so many things. Uh, Maybe it'll come up in the declinations and and reasons for why they're like the whole next section. Section five uh, is all about why he pro- who he prosecuted why he prosecuted people and why he didn't prosecute people and i'm hoping he covers this because manafort lied so many times and he breached his plea agreement and there's been no you know usually once you breach plea agreement you get brought up on all the charges you weren't charged with but there's been none of that and i don't know what's going on mm-hmm. and it's not in the report and it does there's not even harm to an ongoing matter in the manafort section and it's still an ongoing matter in my mind I, it doesn't seem resolved to me yeah, because yeah, you put superseding Manafort on your indictment league, I think. I do. I yeah. do a lot. Because yeah, maybe this means that's not going to happen. Maybe, or maybe... Or that it will, and then it's, some, like you said, passed off. Could that be the case? Yeah. It could have been handed off. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Because left out but, things that... But harm to an ongoing matter. There's no redactions for harm yeah. to an ongoing matter in this entire mm, section. That's a good point, too. So maybe when we get to section five, declinations for why he didn't charge Manafort with everything he could have after he breached his plea agreement. I mean, it seems like he was like the shittiest cooperating witness and should, if you if you breach your plea agreement, you should be charged with the crimes that you were given leniency on for having an agreement, right? Definitely. I would think so. And he lied so many times and they All let the him off the hook <laughs> on it because he was helping, right? But he's not helping anymore, so I don't understand. Maybe they'll explain that to yeah, me. Yeah, something's gotta give. Yeah, there's just... Nothing about ongoing matters. I don't know. Maybe it, hopefully it comes up later in the report. I'll save my confusion about everything that's missing. This until is our we... Mueller feedback if he wants to know what we thought of the report. <laughs> Mueller, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, 
but I, I swear it's still ongoing. Um, and especially with the recent Austrian Supreme Court agreeing to extradite for Tosh yeah, and Stone's yeah. upcoming trial, we could, there's just... Hang on know. to those beans. I think they'll come back up. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, but join us next week. We're going to review part B of section four. That's the post-election and transition period Russian contacts. We still are not done with Russian contacts and it's pages 144 through 173. It's going to be a long one, so read up. Uh, but until then, we will see you every day for the daily update for patrons and every Sunday for the main episode of Militia Wrote. Any yeah. final, thought, final thoughts, guys? I'm just stoked to keep this going. It's going to be a little while, but I, I enjoy digging deeper into the things that we've talked about the mm-hmm. past few years. It's like it's like we always dig deep, but this is a way to dig deep, but like also talk about these things in a you know a chronological way. Yeah, and the timing couldn't be better either because right when we're smack dab in the middle of the declinations and, and indictments section of the of volume one is when Mueller's going to be testifying. Yeah. We're going to be in Philly that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be really interesting. So uh, stick around. Thank you guys so much. Your support means everything. Uh, if this is 50 years from now, I hope my head is alive. Uh, <laughs> come and talk to me in whatever weird museum I'm in. <laughs> and uh, or it could just be in a basement. I might be self-aggrandizing a little yeah, bit too yeah, much. Yeah. I'm in a museum. Basement. My brain is in the Smithsonian. In the bunker. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Uh, at least they'll have the light on down there. <laughs> like Motel 6, yeah. <laughs> or this room. Yeah, yeah. this room. Uh, thanks again, guys. Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It's, it's is it amazing. Right, it's just... Is it right?
Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.